You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Well, we have some exciting news. Two of our former guests and two of the best organizations in Indianapolis are merging together. Children's Bureau and Families First have uh, signed a merger agreement. And on the line today is Andrew Martinez, who is the vice president of of communications and development uh, for the Children's Bureau, correct? Yes. I guess it doesn't really matter no, no, at this point, but um, why don't you tell us a little bit, starting with um, the background of these two organizations, why does this merger make sense now when you look back on the history of both organizations? So both of the organizations came out of what was then called the Benevolent Society, um, and that was just really um, back in Pioneer Day, truly. Um community-minded individuals that came together that wanted to provide for needy kids and families. And so what came from that was the families first decided they would address the family issues and Children's Bureau addressed the children's issue. Now, both of the agencies have gone through um, multiple changes in names over the years. Children's Bureau is 170 years old and Families First is 185 years old. So there have been a couple name changes along the way. However, the focus has always been respectively Families First on the family and the unit of the family and Children's Bureau, most predominantly on safety um, and environment for children. And so today we come back together um, as one merged organization. Right now, we really just are going by uh, Children's Bureau with a heart in the middle and a plus and uh, families first. It's what we call the lockup logo. And we are using that until a thorough brand analysis is completed by Matchbook Creative to decide what should the new name be that best describes the services of the agencies. Well, let's talk about that. Let's start with uh, just to separate it out, the Children's Bureau, which uh, you've been a part of. And again, we're speaking to Andrew Martinez, Vice President of Communications and Development for the new organization. Tell us what the Children's Bureau does and what programs they operate. Children's Bureau's mission is to preserve families and to protect Indiana's children. So there's a multitude of services that go with that. But at the end of the day, they fall into one of two buckets, and that is the prevention of child abuse and neglect, and that is exactly half of everything that Children's Bureau does. And the other bucket is intervention when neglect or abuse has occurred. That could be services that families are going to engage in to try to preserve the family. Sometimes the family cannot be preserved, and that's where foster care, licensing, and placement, and sometimes residential facilities, and oftentimes longer term adoption occurs. And those are all things that Children's Bureau does as well. And then what about Families First? What are some of the basic programs that Family First operates? 
Families First is focused on substance use education and outpatient treatment, domestic violence survivor services, sexual assault survivor services, um, and associated support groups. So again, focused very much on the family unit um, and underlying instabilities that can tear a family apart or issues um, that arise as a result of adult relationships within the family. Um, the only service that we will not continue as one merged entity is the crisis hotline. And that is a service that will be continued by another agency, but I don't think that that agency is yet known. Well, that's that's good to hear. I know that during the pandemic and over the last year, when we talked to uh, David Seiler, he you know he mentioned three hundred percent increase into the the crisis hotline. Uh, so that's a that, that's you know when we talk to a lot of these organizations, there seems to be a very narrow scope, and it looks like the organization, um, you know, well it has narrow scopes on the two organizations, but coming together, it's got a very broad scope um, on a lot of different issues. How do you effectively manage all the cases and work with folks? Um, you know, is, is everybody staying on board? Is, there, is this actually going to streamline operations? How does this benefit the, the major missions of both of these organizations? Well, and that's really, Chris, where the difference will be felt will be at the client, um, at really at the client level. So let's, let me paint a picture for you. I am uh, an, a female and there has been a domestic violence incident in my home. As a result, DCS is brought in. And so when that happens, there is an open child welfare case. There is typically a multitude of service providers in that kind of situation. So there's gonna be a service provider for the adult, right? So that could be families first to provide the counseling associated with the domestic violence. And assuming that there are children there, because we talked about you know, DCS being brought in, Department of Child Services, then chances are an entity like Children's Bureau is going to be brought into the purview to uh, treat the kids. So in this particular instance, what would happen is instead of two referral sources um, coming together, well, I should say three, what DCS, Children's Bureau, Families First, and there could be a multitude of others, truly. Um, it could be streamlined because now Families First and Children's Bureau is one. So even if I, if I am the client and the trauma that I have ensued, if it can be addressed by one agency that has a continuum of services, that feels better to me than a multitude of places and a multitude of um, different appointment times and a multitude of people that do not know one another that I'm going to be referred to and probably required to uh, engage in services with. Yeah, that makes total sense because, you know, when you're in the middle of a crisis, you just don't want another phone number to call. <laughs> you're looking for help. And uh, that that definitely seems like it works out. And, you know, you mentioned in the press release that nonprofit mergers are becoming more common. Uh, and I guess I, when I heard this news, I was sort of surprised because I've, I've never heard of a merger uh, between two nonprofit organizations. How did this come about and why is this becoming more common? Well, I think that it's, you know, limited resources at the 
probably at the beginning of it, it's just, you know, there's more and more competition. And I think it's not just resources from a funding standpoint, it's resources from a professional expertise as well. Uh, social service, much like teaching, there are fewer professionals entering um, that line of work. And so for us bringing our expertise together, that's really a win-win for both organizations, um, both of which have experienced challenges in recruiting. So in addition to that, yeah, there's also, uh, there's also you know, the, um, I don't like to use the word competition, but, you know, for donors and um, unrestricted dollars to address gaps in services. So these, this is two organizations that have such a rich history in and around uh, Indianapolis that you know, this brings a donor base together that really can have a greater impact on uh, the holistic need of a family. Was there a lot of overlap between the, the two donor bases? You know, were people giving twice essentially to where they'll now be giving once? That's a good question. There really wasn't. And we have looked at that. I mean, when I say not a lot, I mean like 10%. That's so no, there really, there has not, there's not a lot of over overlap. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, so hopefully there can be growth in the amount of donations. I mean, do you take donations from the public? I know you work uh, with the city a lot. You mentioned CPS. I mean, are you publicly funded? Are you privately funded? How does that break down? Where does the funding come from for, for this new organization? So both organizations are 501c3s, nonprofits. Neither of both are um, uh, private nonprofits. And as they as we bring them together, it will continue in the same status. So it, it'll just be a new 501c3 with a new um, ID number. Uh, Children's Bureau really is the, the umbrella. And so the legal entity will be Children's Bureau I, I, with a name change. Um, that's how the merger was put together. And I think, again, you see that this is not the first merger that Children's Bureau has ever gone through. In fact, I think it's the fifth. Now, I wasn't around for all of those mergers, um, but this is the second one um, during my tenure and I joined the agency in 2013. I think that the change um, in the United Way's um, allocation or lack of allocations was also a, a changer, right, for a lot of um, United Way supported agencies that relied very heavily on that allocation. And that was just a result of, you know, the United Way had to modify its fundraising model to um, today's environment. So many of the agencies still have an opportunity to get money from the United Way, but now we write grants instead of knowing that each year we're going to be allocated a certain amount of money. So can you explain that change with the United Way? I mean, we all see the United Way balloons at the the 7-Eleven, you know, can you explain what the United Way is and how they changed their funding model? Well, the United Way is, you know, it represents a multitude of nonprofits that it then would, um, give money to or support, you know, certain aspects of programs or the overall mission. It really depended on the agency that you're talking about, but Children's Bureau and 
um, families first, again, came out of the Benevolent Society, which became the Community Chest, which then became the United Way of Central Indiana. And so as longstanding organizations that came with that rich history, we both had what were called allocations, annual allocations. And so we saw those allocations get smaller and smaller. And that was really, again, that was the result of um, smaller fundraising campaigns. United Way had to be able to sustain that funding model. And today what you get with young donors especially is they want their dollars, they wanna choose exactly where their dollars go. And they're not always funneling it through, you know, the same type of model that the United Way was. That's really, so that's really interesting. To change, yeah, it's just a changing in, in the in the fundraising world, um, and certainly in how the donor decides to give. And you know, that's okay. Fundraising is like everything else. You know, it evolves and it, you know, it changes, and it has certainly. It's not uncommon today to get a five thousand dollar gift online. There, I have been in fundraising for 27 years. And if you would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have thought that you were crazy. <laughs> well, make your pitch now. I mean, before we go, I mean, if someone is listening to this and they want to help support these two great organizations, how can they go about that? Absolutely. You can go to childrensbureau.org and um, you can give help many, many different ways. We have a wish list um, that the kids that reside in our shelter put together that they need on a regular. Most of it is around basic needs. Some of it is around just games, you know, simple things um, that they can do at night with their time. And of course, there's always uh, monetary donations that can also be made via the website. And if you are so inclined, we, I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, Chris, we're going to get on the other side of this uh, pandemic and we're going to have a lot more volunteer opportunities as well. And the kids that we serve, especially those that live in our residential facilities, they love to see volunteers. They love, they love to interface with people. So that is not an issue at all. So volunteering, donating your time, your talent, your treasure, all of which are welcome, childrensbureau.org. Well, I, the numbers look good, and hopefully we can get back uh, to, to where we need to be. Uh, so thank you so much. You know, I'll never forget in the early days of the pandemic talking uh, to, to CEO Tina Clor. Is it Clor? Did I pronounce that right? It is, yes. Yeah, and, yes. and her mentioning, you know, that they had 60 kids in a home because their caregivers were in the hospital with COVID. I mean, the first couple months, I mean, it, was a, it was a chilling moment for me in the beginning of that. And, and it's, and it's uh, just great work uh, that you do. And I thank you so much for doing it. And, uh, you know, one, one final mention, childrensbureau.org. Thank you so much to Andrew Martinez, the Vice President of Communications and Development for the new organization where Children's Bureau and Families First have combined new name to be announced. And thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please email Gabby at nowhearthisindy at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This. We Are Libertarians Plus members enjoy many benefits like exclusive bonus shows like Build the Wall and Ideological Origins, Lifetime access to my exclusive private newsletter at chrisspangle.com, early release of episodes with commercial-free shows, and a full feed of the show with 700 more episodes than you can find in the public feed. You'll also get merch and the opportunity to be a guest on the show. 
Most importantly, Wall Plus members support a new generation of opinion journalists by bringing an independent libertarian perspective to the news. Enjoy these benefits immediately by visiting joinwallplus.com.